years. I feel like since the pandemic started last year, hearing about investing in the news has become pretty prevalent in our lives. So I invest and it's through a fintech app that's for teenagers and kids and young investors. And sometimes the thing is, I feel like I'm investing blindly. So I really want to start expanding my investing knowledge so that I can start making better and informed decisions in my own investments. So a few weekends ago, I was reading up on some articles related to the boom in investing, and I came across a recent popular article in money.com, and it's called The New Investor Survival Guide, How to Make Money and Stay Sane in Today's Wild Markets. So I invited one of the authors from money.com, Malika Mitra, on the podcast to talk about her article and some simple investing terminology for young investors. Malika covers investing trends, retirement and debt, and she previously covered municipal finance at Bloomberg News and personal finance and retail at CNBC. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Hi, Malika. Thank you so much for coming on Wi-Fi Matters today. I read your article and I loved what you wrote. I think it's really important for young people like me to learn about these investing terms. And I also like how the graphics were in the article. So for those who are listening to this right now, you can go check out her article. It will be in the episode description. I'm super excited to have you on the show today and to talk a little bit more about investing. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about this story with you. Yes. So first of all, wanted to talk a little bit about your career path as a journalist and also about yourself in high school. So can you give us a little bit of a brief sort of story about your life as a teenager? And also, when did you sort of get interested in money, specifically personal finances? Sure. Yeah. So as a teenager in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do at all. I just knew that I liked to read and write. And so when I went to college, I majored in English and I took some journalism classes. I took some creative nonfiction writing classes, but I also did a lot of like literature. I didn't really know that I wanted to be a reporter until I joined my college newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a few years. And then I was an editor for our features section. And then I was a, um, an editor in chief. And I think that is where I really saw how much I like reporting because you can learn about a different topic every day and you're always getting to be a student, which I think is really cool. And then of course you get to write, which is something I love to do. I really like how you said I can be a student all the time. And I really like that analogy when it comes to journalism. Yeah. And it's something that I'm sure a lot of people can find in a lot of different careers. But mm-hmm. as a journalist, your job is literally just ask questions all the time. So that's been great. But I actually didn't go into journalism right after college. I grew up in New York. I went to college in Michigan, but then I moved out to San Francisco and worked in public relations. So kind of the other side, I was doing communications for tech companies. But I always knew I wanted to get back into journalism. So I ended up moving back to New York and doing a mm-hmm. master's program. And then I did a few internships, CNBC, Bloomberg News. And then I I started at Money about uh, almost a year ago now. It was May. So right when the pandemic started, basically. So when did you sort of get interested in personal finances? 
Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to write about business and money. When I went to grad mm-hmm. school, I did my kind of concentration in business and economics reporting. And that was just from my job mm-hmm. that I was doing out in San Francisco and kind of my interests at the time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know I wanted to do personal finance until I interned at CNBC. Um, and I went there and covered breaking news, retail and media, a lot of different things. But I wrote for the personal finance team and really enjoyed it. It's important for people to understand their finances. And it's something that a lot of people just have so many questions about. And I think people are often afraid to ask their questions. They think, you know, this is my money. I should know what's going on with it, but we're not taught this type of thing in high school. And so I really like that. I'm able to just kind of ask questions that I have in my everyday life and and talk to experts and help people kind of figure out how they can like set themselves up for, for a healthy and happy future. Yeah. I think you bring up something kind of Interesting. Even the word personal finances, the word personal makes it seem like, oh, I have to shield it. It's not something that can be openly talked about. A lot of young people, we don't really have a good relationship with money. For example, before I started doing this, I was very much a spender. Sometimes we save a little bit in our piggy banks and maybe some of us have a bank account even. Um, but I read an, an article on bankrate.com that only 18% of people between the ages of 18 and 25 are investing. So investing is a completely, a whole nother part of the sort of personal finances. But still, I feel like this is such a small number. So what are some of the roadblocks that are implemented that prevent um, many teens or young adults from investing? Yeah, you bring up a lot of really good points there. It's true that like lack of funds may be a problem. You know, when you're a teenager, you are probably not also working a full-time job while you go to school. Some do, but you're probably not. And so the money that you do make, maybe you want to save that for like nights out with your friends, saving for gifts for, for your friends and family, buying a car or saving for college. So there are a lot of other things that are kind of on your plate at that age. So that's one thing. But I do think it's important for people to realize that investing doesn't have to be this huge, scary thing where you're putting all your money away. When I was in high school, I, I worked at a, an assisted living home, kind of just helping at the desk. I could have just put a little bit of my paycheck mm-hmm. every time in, into investing. And I didn't know to do that. But I that I did at the time. And also you brought up a good point that age limits and, you know, there are of course restrictions to investing, but a lot of financial services companies have options for like your parents to help you out. Another roadblock is lack of education. I Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about investing in high school. And I think a lot of high schoolers don't. And you know, we're just not taught that kind of thing in high school and, and in college. I think people just don't realize what a huge benefit you'll have and how much you're helping your future self if you put a little bit of money away now. Right. And so what is the benefit of investing and what are the implications of not investing? Yeah. So when you're investing, that means that the money that you are working so hard for is also working for you. So the consequences of not investing is that that money that you worked for hard for, or maybe you know you've been gifted by parents or grandparents, that money is just kind of sitting around not doing anything. If you invest it though, it will grow over time. There's also inflation. So over time, prices of goods and services, you know everything from like a carton of milk at the grocery store to like clothing we buy 
prices will go up and then the purchasing power of your money goes down. So $100 that you have now will be worth a little less in the future. So by investing that, you know, money's going increasing. It's important to remember that when you're a teenager, time is on your side, but you have a long time for your money to grow. You're not going to be taking out money right now to buy a house, most likely. You might have some time on your side before you have children and you want to contribute to their college accounts and things like that. So putting in money now and letting it sit is a really good idea if you can. So I really liked your article that you co-wrote in Money. And I'm going to read a paragraph from the article. I think it's kind of like a hook. And basically, the Dow just raced past 30,000 and hasn't looked back. Bitcoin is blowing up and money experts on FinTalk are giving questionable tips to millions of viewers. Forget short sellers. Share prices are now at the mercy of Reddit trolls and whatever Elon Musk wakes up and decides to tweet. Oh, and have you heard about GameStop? I thought that was really fun, comedic (laughs) kind of. So give us just a little bit of a brief overview about personal finance, but really investing news that sort of occurred over the past few years. Sure. Yeah. So since COVID hit the US last March, millions of people lost their jobs and, and are still unemployed and are struggling to pay their bills and businesses have suffered. But during all this time, the stock market seems to just keep going up. Some of the major major indexes like the S&P 500 and Dow, which you mentioned, have hit um, record highs. And so It's a really interesting time to be looking at investing. And especially now, there are a lot of newer things that we're seeing. So as that paragraph that you read mentioned, GameStop, the video game retailer, like soared recently. And that was basically a bunch of everyday investors, like you or me, not big firms on Wall Street, buying up shares. And it's a somewhat long, complicated story, but it basically shows the power of like everyday people investing in the stock market. And it looks like a lot of those people were first-time investors we're seeing. Experts kind of caution people from investing in individual stocks, and we can talk about that more. Also, Bitcoin, which you mentioned, has been taking off recently. So that's a type of cryptocurrency um, Mm -hmm. stored in digital wallet. If you bought, I think it's like $100 of Bitcoin in 2011, you could be sitting on closer to a million now. Um, That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's been getting a lot of attention. Bitcoin, GameStop, these kind of things on, um, we called it FinTalk in there, but like young people, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I see it all the time um, on TikTok, um, teenagers talking about investing and all that. Right. I think it's really genius that you dubbed it FinTalk because I was just calling it, oh, the financial community on TikTok. There's just a whole personal finance community on TikTok, like a bunch of people giving you advice and stuff. But it's funny to see like kids my age just start start talking about all these investing things. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we can take credit for FinTalk, unfortunately. I think okay. people have been using that, but it is um, interesting. And I mean, on all sorts of social media, even Instagram, Twitter, um, and Reddit was where this whole game right. stop situation soars. Yeah. So why has investing become a favorite pastime of millions of Americans and people all around the world, actually, this past year? Obviously, people are in the house and they're bored. And But why has investing sort of become what they've started to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point. People are stuck inside. And so a lot of first-time investors, it looks like, have gotten into the market. But also stimulus checks came out and people had some more money that, for some people, that, of course, needed to go to essentials. 
for others who still had their jobs and all that, they had a little bit of extra money to invest. It's also become very easy to invest. There are investment apps like Robinhood, where you can just be sitting in your house and open up an account and trading stocks. And so there's definitely dangers to that. But for one thing, it has opened up the world of investing a bit. I use Stockpile when I'm investing and it's just, you know, little amounts of money. I'm really thankful and grateful that there are opportunities for young people to be investing. So what are your thoughts on this democratization of investing? And do you think that it is needed and it is important for the future? Yeah, so that's great to hear that you are having such a positive experience with that. It's definitely a good thing that more people are being able to invest and hopefully get good and responsible advice on investing. I think it is important, though, to also note that a lot of these apps kind of make trading a bit of a game. You can buy and sell so quickly. And experts that I talk to just are constantly advising people, you know, don't invest in things because of FOMO, just because you're afraid of missing out because everyone's doing it. And don't do it if you're just trying to like get rich quick. It's a really good way to kind of build wealth over time. And if you do it responsibly. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting point, because I feel like people don't usually associate investing and FOMO together. It's usually like, partying or like going outside with your friends it's really Mm. interesting to see the shift in this mindset when it comes to investing but I am having a positive experience using stockpile but I'd say I've had this since maybe like 2018 and sometimes I feel like I don't really understand what I'm doing when it comes to investing like I'm just buying the stocks that I think are cool or trendy or the stocks that are very popular and have been stable for a very long time. And I don't really know what I'm doing with my money some of the times. And I feel like if I start to actually purposely invest like with intent behind what I'm investing in, maybe I can gain a little more. And also just being able to sort of understand what's happening because I have the charts and everything, but sometimes it's hard for me to understand all the statistics. So I want to talk about your article basically has nine important pieces of advice for young investors. So I wanted to understand a little bit more about some of them. So the first, what percent of our money should be invested? And I feel like this is for maybe kids, people who are a little bit older than me, like when they're in college, because I don't have a paycheck or anything. Yeah, so this is really dependent on your specific situation. So it depends on your age and how far away you are from retirement. It depends on your financial situation, how much money you have in savings and all of that, and also your goals. So some people are investing because they want to have enough money to buy a house. Some people are investing because they want to be able to travel a lot in their retirement or whatever it may be. You definitely want to figure um, that out first. And then also make sure that you have an emergency fund set aside. Experts say about three to six months of funds that you could use if you lost your job, for example. But I would say for someone around your age, I did a story a few months ago, actually, on teenagers who are saving for retirement. And one of the experts for that told me that, of course, 
like concert tickets and college tuition, they're going to take priority over saving for retirement right now. And so it can be hard to determine exactly how much you should save, especially because someone at your age, the future is so uncertain. You don't know exactly what career you're going to have, what your expenses Mm -hmm. will be, but you're doing it right. You know, putting away a little bit and what you're comfortable putting away for now is a good way to go about it. I haven't really heard of kids who are investing money for their retirement. I'm fully support, you know, financial independence, retire early for young people. But teenagers, I've just been educating them. I never expected, I never really realized that there are teens out there who are actually actively saving for retirement. That's really cool. Also, could you help us understand the difference between individual stocks and bonds and then mutual funds? And then there's also exchange traded funds. Yeah, sure. So when you're buying individual stocks, you're essentially buying like a small amount of ownership in that company. Mm -hmm. So tons of companies that we know like Netflix or McDonald's, Nike, and you know, issue stocks so that they can raise money for their company. And then a bond is more like a loan that you're making to a company or the government if it's a government bond. And you get interest paid back to you regularly on that. And then when it matures, you get the full um, amount back. So mutual funds and ETFs um, are basically ways to invest in like a larger basket of securities as opposed to individual ones. Mm -hmm. So they can include stocks, bonds, or other assets um, like gold, but it's more of like a pool of assets. And then as far as like the difference between mutual funds and ETFs, there are a few. One of them is that mutual funds are often actively managed. So there's like a person whose job it is to try to beat the market overall by making the right choices in terms of what to buy and sell in that fund. And then ETFs are often not always more passively managed. So they're often kind of just tracking bigger Mm -hmm. indexes like the S&P 500, for example. Okay. So the S&P 500 and the Dow, are those ETFs then? S&P 500 and Dow are indexes. So they're kind of gauging how some of the bigger companies in in the stock market are doing. Okay, I see. Okay. So can we invest between multiple of them? And which one would you say for like a beginner investor, like where should we put our money in? Yeah. So it really depends on your situation. Like I mentioned, we just actually published a story at money.com on how to invest with less than a thousand dollars. So I would definitely advise that people head to money.com and read that one. And that says that the simplest way to do it is through mutual funds. And then experts often are saying, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing, if you're new to investing, and even if you do know what you're doing, it's not wise often to be investing in individual stocks. Okay. So it looks like I've been investing in individual stocks on through Stockpile. Yeah, a lot of the experts I've talked about have, have mentioned, you know, if you're, this is more in the context of like parents who are investing with their kids or something like that, but mm-hmm. often it, it can help to show them how to invest in stocks of companies that they care about. So right. like, You know, if you're like a huge Disney fan or something like that, I don't know. That's kind of a good Mm -hmm. way to teach people how to like how stocks work and things like that. So I would say it's dependent on your situation and and how much you're investing and what's right for you. Mm -hmm. So investing in like companies that really share the same ethics as you and moral values as you, I guess, can be a reason to do individual stocks, I guess. 
Well, there's actually a lot of ways um, in this story we point to to do ESG investing. So that's what you're talking about, like basically environmental, mm-hmm. social, and governance mm-hmm. investing. And so there are mutual funds, different kind of funds that will actually that track have them. companies that yeah mm-hmm. do do ESG investing. Okay. So like, and they'll avoid companies that like make fossil fuels or guns or or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That makes sense. That's that's interesting. So can we talk about an expense ratio? And basically you're saying, are you paying too much or too little? Can you expand more upon that? Sure. Yeah. So that's basically what you pay in annual fees on a fund. So it, it costs money um, to run these types of funds, mm-hmm. but it's just important to keep in mind that when you're paying those fees, you're missing out on on those returns. It's a balance. And so our story mentions a fund analyzer. So um, people can go there and check the numbers and see how much they're paying in fees. But it's more just, you know, keep it in mind. Okay. So also you write about the stock market bubble. So can you expand more upon this? Sure. So this is basically when stock prices are driven up, you know, above their value. And so there are a few ways that um, you, a few things that you want to be thinking about to prepare your portfolio for the stock market bubble. But the biggest thing is to be diversified. So that means having different kinds of assets, having stocks and bonds. So stocks often actually do well when bonds aren't doing well and vice versa. So you want to make sure that if you have that you have different kinds of assets in your portfolio so that when something does well, the other doesn't, you're still making money. And that means not just between stocks and bonds, but also even if you're just looking at stocks, you want big companies and small companies, U.S. stocks and international stocks. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they always say. Okay. So can we talk a little bit more about retirement funds and like 401ks because you're considering that as a type of investment, right? Sure. So a 401k is a great way to save for retirement, but they're often sponsored by your employer. So it's probably something that you'd be thinking about after you graduate college, when you start your first job, maybe your company offers a 401k. And if they do, experts And financial advisors definitely recommend that you take advantage of that, especially if your employer matches your contribution. Mm -hmm. So, you know, say you contribute 3% and your employer says, okay, we'll match that 3%. That's basically free money. So you definitely want to do that. But there are other ways to invest in retirement when you are a teenager. There are things like Roth IRAs and those actually, you can invest that money. There's no penalty to take it out early. With 401ks, there is a tax penalty if you want to take it out early. So in that story I wrote about teenagers saving for retirement, one of the financial advisors told me that's a really good way for teenagers to save. Mm -hmm. So Roth IRAs. Roth IRA, yep. Okay. This was very, very helpful. I haven't really gone into the nitty gritty of investing really and the sort of terms and everything. So I think it was really helpful to learn about that today. I really loved your article. And again, for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more and just dive a little deeper, you can visit the article, which is at money.com. Thank you so much, Malika, for coming on the podcast today. It was great to have you on. Yeah, of course. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. So that's the end of the interview. And it was great to have Malika on the podcast for more information. And if you have any more questions for her, I've put her Twitter handle in the episode description. 
I also hope that you learned a little bit about what is going on in investing news and why it's becoming easier for us to invest and how young people can take advantage of the resources and tools around them to invest wisely. We will be delving deeper for sure into investing later on in future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Also, if you have any of your own questions related to personal finance, entrepreneurship, economics, and even investing, you can get your questions answered, hopefully via the podcast, and you can just let us know what topics you want to learn more about. You can do this by going to our website at www.wifimatters.com and to the contact button and shoot us an email and we can hopefully answer your questions on the podcast. Thanks for listening and I can't wait to talk to you next time.